Hello, my name is Rick Pearson, and this is Prophecy USA, a program specifically designed to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. God has promised us in scripture that within every generation, he would raise up voices that would speak his word and discern the signs of the times. I believe that today we have one of those voices on our program, so stay tuned. You do not want to miss this show. back folks we're at christian retreat in bradenton florida and our guest today has caused a worldwide stir with the release of his explosive first book the harbinger which became an instant new york bestseller and brought him to national and international prominence his next books were all new york bestsellers the mystery of the shemitah the book of mysteries the paradigm the oracle the harbinger two and now the return of the gods. His prophetic messages has been delivered on Capitol Hill, the United Nations, and to millions of people around the world. He currently leads Hope of the World Ministry, an international outreach of teaching, evangelism, and compassion projects for the world's most needy. He also pastors the Jerusalem Center Beth Israel, worship center made up of Jews as well as Gentiles and people of all backgrounds. That church is located just outside New York City in Wayne, New Jersey. We are so honored to have this servant of God with us today. Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, welcome to Prophecy USA. Great to be with you, Rick. Uh, Rabbi, when, we, when the, the Harbinger first came out in 2002, uh, we at Prophecy USA immediately bore witness with what you were teaching and believe that 9-11 was God's first warning shot over the bow to North America. In other words, we felt like it was a wake-up call. Do you think America has learned anything from their first wake-up call? Well, it depends which Americans we're talking about. I think believers have, you know, and, and the harbinger went to millions and uh, believers are, are aware of that. I think there's a sense uh, among many believers of where things are going. As far as the mainstream culture, I don't uh, I don't believe it's it, it has woken up. It's become woke instead of woken up. Um, and the thing is that, but yet, yet um, that is also what the harbinger, you know, is actually foretelling, at least if we are replaying what happened in the last days of ancient Israel, it's not just the signs and the harbingers that appeared, warning of judgment, which is what the harbinger reveals, but that the nation itself, the way it responded to it, instead of coming back to God, it it grew hardened to God. He actually got worse. Well, it's not that we have to repeat all that, but we are repeating all that. And so that is what's happening right now. So if you look at where things were in 9-11, uh, and then when I wrote The Harbinger, look at where things are now, um, exactly. both in America, both in Canada. Um, it has gotten worse, much worse. Uh, it's accelerating the departure from God. And so that is exactly, you know, unfortunately, that's exactly what The Harbinger warns of. So, so what did you want to reveal to us in the return of the gods? 
Yeah, well, The Return of the Gods is probably the most explosive book, and I've written explosive books. Um, that, but it is, it is the really the mystery behind that everything that is taking place. What, what is changing our culture, transforming our media, our children, um, you know, religious freedom, sexuality, everything. Um, it could there be an ancient mystery behind it? And if so, what is that mystery? And the, the the could it go back to the Bible, of course, but also could it even go back to the the tablets of ancient Mesopotamia? And could what the the world knows as gods, and we would say, well, these are fiction, it's all mythology. Well, what if there was something more that wasn't just mythology? What if there was something more to them behind them? And what if there were actually entities or spirits? And the Bible actually is going to reveal this. What would happen? What if they where did they go? And what if they came back? And what if they're back right now? What if they are the invisible agents that are changing our culture right now? And what if we could actually identify them, which spirits or gods that we're dealing with in our culture? Uh, and where is it all going? Where what what is the future? And how do we what do we need to do? What do we need to know to be prepared to be able to stand? Because you know what, Rick, if you're in a fight and you don't know what you're fighting, chances are you're not going to win. Uh, so, and so the, the return of the gods is not only the revealing of this, it's like pulling the veil away uh, uh, from everything that is happening right now, but also it's to arm and equip and empower God's people to prevail. So, so in other words, when Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and against spiritual wickedness in high places, in the very first chapter, you define several Hebrew words that's the foundation of Paul's theology. Could you explain some of those words, like Shaddam? Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, what, what people don't realize, uh, the Bible gives a, a revelation that's that's stunning, and that's actually gigantic for our day, and people miss it. Uh, and this is found in Deuteronomy, it's found in the Psalms, and that is that the Bible speaks of the, the Gentile or the pagan world worshiping their gods. Now, everybody worshiped gods. Gods were everywhere, every land, they were worshiping gods. But it says that, the, it gives a word, it says they were actually worshiping the Shedim. Now, the Hebrew word Shadim means not just, it doesn't mean uh, just gods, it means spirits. It means entities with, with consciousness, with will, volition. Um, and so what it's saying is, this is radical, that behind the gods of the ancient world were actually entities, principalities, spirits behind them. And so when, you know, and, and when later on the Hebrew word was translated into Greek, Shadim, went into Greek, and it got into the New Testament, actually into the writings of Paul, um, and the word became daimonia. Daimonia is the word we get demon from, or demonic. Now, now the pagans, they, 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 this, this is what they called their gods. They called them, or some of their gods, they called them the demons, or the demonic spirit. They, they believed they could be good or bad. The Bible says it's only, it's only dark. These are dark spirits. Well, Paul in Corinthians says that the same thing says the pagans are worshiping the daimonia or the shedim. So that tells you, you know, basically we are dealing with something big. So when he says we war not against flesh and blood, but principalities, yes, and we even more now in this day and age, as we'll see, because they're back. So, so the link to spirit possession and the goal, the gods in pagan civilization. So I understand this right. Can possession affect more than just individuals? 
Yeah, that's something that people don't always always grasp. And that is that, first of all, if the ancient world, the, the, the all over the world, the, the pagan world was given to gods, and the Bible is saying behind the gods were spirits, dark, demonic spirits, that means that they were given to spirits. That means that 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 the, the actually entire cultures were given to these spirits. So the amazing thing is when you look at paganism, you look at back then and even today, you see the same signs of spirit possession that you see in the Bible, but entire cultures. You know, the closer you got to, quote, the God, um, that like a priest or an oracle or a worshiper, the more they showed these signs. I mean, quite, you know, shaking and foaming and 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 trances and and, and self-mutilation, all that was throughout the pagan world. So you have a world that was basically possessed in a sense. Um, and even Western civilization, you know, we pride ourselves about the West, but the Western civilization was also possessed, except for maybe one one corner of it, which was Israel. And when Israel turned away from God, they went with it as well. So what caused the gods then to disappear from, from our society? Uh, it's a great question, because th that is what has made our what, the West what it is. And that is that what caused it was Jesus caused it, Messiah, Yeshua. He came into the world. And, and number one, he had the power to cast out these spirits. But number two, he sent the word of God. He sent the gospel into the nations for the first time. It's coming in in force. And so you have the word of God coming into the pagan world. You have God coming into the lands of the gods. You have the, the spirit coming into the lands of the spirits. And you have a clash. When you look at um, you look at the book of Acts, you see it's a clash. A possessed woman is stalking the apostle Paul. He casts exactly. out the spirit. And then, and then there's there's an uproar, you know, against the, Paul. You know, and then in another another uh, city, the entire city tries to kill the disciples because they believe they're threatening the God. And that's why the reason why in the first centuries the Christians were thrown to the lions because it wasn't political, it wasn't cultural, it wasn't economic, it was spiritual. spiritual. It was about the gods. It was a war of the gods. You see, you see, they were told if you just burn incense to the God, we will not punish you. But if you don't, we will throw you in prison, we will throw you to the lions. And that's exactly what happened. So there's a great, gigantic clash, a war of the gods, in a sense, in the first centuries. But in the end, the gospel prevails, God prevails over the gods, the name of Jesus cast out these things, prevails over the gods. So what happens is, the gods start disappearing. It's a, it's the twine of the gods, the, the temples of Zeus begin to empty out. The shrines of Dionysus are abandoned. You know, all the, the pagan world, they, they turn to God. Well, here's the thing, though. The gods disappeared. It was the twilight of the gods. But if behind the gods are spirits, then the question must be asked, what happened to the spirits? Because spirits don't die. And if they still exist, could they come back? And that is, exactly. that is the question. Okay. Now, there's, there's something that you said in the book that I want you to emphasize to our listeners. One of the keys that you give in the book to unlocking the mystery is called the house of spirits. What is that? And what does it warn us of, Rabbi? Now, this is the, the warning that comes from Jesus himself. And that is, and, and, and most believers have heard of this parable, but they don't realize the implications. And that is, he said, when a spirit comes out of a man, looks for a, it looks for a place to dwell, doesn't find it, says, I'm going to go back to my house. And they saw him at the man. He goes back, finds the house or the man swept, empty, clean, goes out, gets seven other spirits more evil than itself. They repossess the house. They take over. 
and they repossess the man, and the, and the Lord says the, latter, the last state is worse than the first state, the repossession. Yes. Now, believers hear this, they say, well, it's talking about a man. Well, yes, but it's talking about more than a man. Because it says, it goes on in Matthew, he says, so it shall be with this generation, generation. Not, not just a man, an entire culture. As we said, you know, cultures, civilizations can be possessed, they can be delivered, and they can be repossessed. And so here now is the warning to us, more to our time than any other, to us, to America, to Canada, to the West, and it is this, any civilization, any nation, any culture that has been delivered of these things, these spirits, if it should ever turn away from God, if it should ever turn away from that which cast out those spirits, if it should ever become empty of God or the gospel, the word, the presence of God, then it will be, an, it will be the house of spirits. The, the spirits that were cast out of it will come back into it. The spirits translated, the spirits that were cast out of Western civilization at the beginning of the age will come back to America, will come back to Canada, will come back to the West to repossess it. And see, that's why, Rick, you know, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing for exactly. any nation that has known the gospel to turn away from the gospel, turn away from God. Dangerous. It's not just bad, it's dangerous. Look at what happened to Russia. Here's a, you know, when they turned away from the, the Christianity. What happened was communism, but it wasn't, it was not neutral or secular, it was demonic. Millions of people were killed. What happened when the land of the Reformation, the word Germany, turned away from Christianity? What happened? Hitler happened. It was not secular, it was demonic. And so, what it's saying here, now it's happening to America, Canada, it's happening to the West. So what it's saying is a dangerous thing because the warning is the house will not remain empty. If you take God out, you empty yourself of God, something else is coming in. And what is coming in is dark and demonic, and that is what is, is happening right now. And if you want to understand what's been happening to the West, America chiefly, and then all the other nations, what has been happening for a, a little over a century, half a century, is that it has been the, the it has been the removal of God and a process of repossession. And actually, it's, pay, it's a repaganization. That is what's underlying everything from, from, you know, what's happening with sexuality, what's happening with wokeness, what's happening to our children, what's happening to marriage. Everything goes to this mystery. Okay, now that, that pretty well brings us to chapter eight in the book. And clarify this, if I'm right or wrong. When America or North America kicks out God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, you mentioned three distinct entities that will replace them, and you call them the Dark Trinity. And you've literally named them called the Possessor, the Enchantress, and the Destroyer. First of all, who is the Possessor? Yeah, well, this is the basis is this, you know, can we actually identify the spirits? And it's not saying there's only there's only a few, but there were when Israel turned away from God, there were three main principalities that that typify its fall from God. And it's in a sense, it's repossession that ended up destroying Israel. Israel was destroyed after that. 
But the thing is that there were three. And so the first is called, in, in the Return of the Gods, is called the Possessor. That's what his name means. His name actually in, in ancient Hebrew means the, the owner, the master. Um, it means, it, you know, it, it actually, actually it is, um, it also means the Lord. And so, you know, in Hebrew, you say it, you say his name Baal, Baal, and we call him Baal, but it means the Possessor. And so what happened was this was the spirit of the principality that that when he, he got a foothold with Israel, they just began to turn from God, got in and began turning Israel from a nation that knew God to into a pagan nation. This is the principality that's coming to America, coming to the West, and is now the, the mission is to turn a Judeo-Christian civilization into a pagan one. And the thing is, and remember something too, that when, you know, Jesus said when they come back, they come back worse. So what's coming is worse than even paganism. But this is what's happened. So when can we identify this got entrance, this spirit, you know, became, uh, was found an, an entryway to get in? Well, in the early, in America, the early 1960s is a very uh, important critical mark. That's when it began, the culture began to remove God. First took God out of the school, of prayer out of school, then the word out of the school. That's all you need. You know, back then they said, well, you know, it's not a big deal. They might think, well, it's not a, well, it's a gigantic deal. Because when you start taking God away from the children, you're taking God away from the future of the nation. And so look and look at what look at the warning, look at this mystery that Jesus said the house is not going to remain empty. So if you take God out, we took God out of the school, God from our children, look what has now come into the schools. Look what has now come into our so, children. So it leaves a vacuum, in other words. Yeah, it opens it, the door. And that's exactly what happened with Israel. It's exactly what's happening now. So what does this spirit that comes in to say early 60s in force, what does it do? The Bible says that Baal sought to drive God out of everything, drive him out of the public square, out of government, out of and out of media, out of everything. Well, that's exactly what's happening right now. That that we have watched this spirit from the early 60s now that to this day, where God is progressively driven out. That's what the spirits do. Number two, it says that that Baal caused Israel to forget God. Well, what this is what's happened as well to America, to Canada, to the West that is actually causing a nation that wants to do God or a civilization that wants to do God to actually forget God and forget that it ever knew God. You know, it's, you know, there was once in America, and I'm sure in Canada, where actually the public school teachers led the children in the Lord's Prayer exactly. in the 1950s, you know, yes. where the top movies had names like the Ten Commandments and King of Kings, you know, and, and look at where we have gone. We can't even remember that. And, and you know, and, and that America or that Canada could not even... I could not even fathom the one that the America or Canada that is now. So we have that. Also, it says that the spirit of Baal or Baal caused Israel to turn away from the ways of God, literally. And well, that's, we've been watching that progressively. But also, we have literally, this spirit has literally caused us in America to strike down the Ten Commandments, literally. So this is a spirit that actually paganizes the culture and in ways, Rick, that, that we may not even realize. Let me give you an example. In, in, you know, when you have a monotheistic uh, civilization, one God, you got one truth. And that's the way it's always been, one God, one truth. But in paganism, you don't have, you have many gods and many truths. And so therefore, now we have this new thing in our culture, wokeness, which is basically, which one of the things it says is that you have, everybody has their own truth. If a man says he's a tree, well, then that's his authentic truth. Exactly. If a woman says she's a cat, 
That's her authentic truth. But of course, it's not true. And so this has affected everything. And another thing about what paganism did, you know, they say, oh, this is, this is enlightened. No, it's paganism. Uh, you know, paganism bl uh, blurred the line between image and reality. You know, the idol was actually the god. So now we are blurring the line between reality and basically virtual and reality. We, have, we have live in a virtual world with the work, you know, we have created another reality. Another thing about the pagan paganism is it blurred the line between man and animal. You, you look at those, those images of those gods, they're half man, half animal. Well, we're blurring that in every in every possible way. It's it's not in clay, but we're actually splicing the genes together of man and animal. So in yes. every way, we have been paganized. And I'll, I'll just give you one more sign of Baal, and then we we go to the the next of it. But that is that that you know there was one sign of Baal above all other signs, and you know what that was? That was a a molten bronze bull all over the Middle East. Could that actually reappear in the modern world? It has. Go to go to America. Go to New York City. Go to the the South, the bottom part where where the harbingers are, and you'll find another harbinger. You'll find a gigantic, massive bronze bull, which the people who did it had no idea what they were doing. It is the sign, the biblical sign of Baal, of a nation that has given itself to the gods, turned away from God, and given itself to gods. It's right there. You know, Jonathan, I find this interesting because. In the kingdom of light, you're talking about the kingdom of darkness, but in the kingdom of light, the Bible says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. What, what you're basically saying is people want to prosper, but they're not doing it God's way. They're doing it through totally. darkness. In, in, in fact, yeah. I'm so, glad so you the said morality that. Because, yeah. So the morality and the business tactics and everything, they walk away from the Ten Commandments and the, the 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 culture basically becomes corrupt. Yeah, look at look at what happened when Israel turned away from the Ten Commandments. I mean, look at the the very first national apostasy is what at Sinai when Moses on the mountain with the Ten Commandments and Israel turns away. What do they turn to? A golden calf or exactly. a golden bull calf. You know, well that's what we've done. And you you said it exactly right because. You know, back then, Baal, or this bull, was a symbol, uh, a, uh, what epitomized fertility and prosperity. They went to Baal for prosperity. Well, what do we call our prosperity? We call it a bull market. We call it a bullish economy. And that's where they put the bull. You know, so yeah, without even knowing it, they follow the a, same ancient mystery. That's amazing. Now, you also, now, you've, you, you've explained to us the possessor. Could you explain to us who the enchantress is? So, of course, understand everybody who's, well, you know, that we can only take, you know, I can give you a taste of what's in the Return of the Gods, and I'm, I want to give you a good taste of it, but there's so much, but I'll, get, I'll give you a taste of this. The second one is actually appears in the Bible, like the first, and it's a she, it's a goddess, and the Bible calls her Ashtora. And she was she was actually seen as the wife of Baal in in the mythology or the mistress of Baal. But she's all over. This is one of the most ancient principalities ever. And in, in fact, in Babylon, they called Ashtora. They called her Ishtar. In Greece, they, the Greeks called her Aphrodite. Later on, and later on, the Romans called her Venus. But you know, we think, oh, that's kind of a, you know the goddess of love. No, no, no. This is a dark principality. This is the goddess or the principality of sexual immorality, of sexual unbridled lust. This is the goddess who sexualized pagan culture, and this is the goddess. She's actually a harlot. She's actually a prostitute. And think, so, so what does a prostitute do? 
A prostitute takes sex out of the sacred bonds of marriage and puts it into the marketplace, puts it into the culture. Well, that's what she did back then. She sexualized the culture. I mean, her, you know, you could go to her temples and there was sex being performed. It was, you know, well, that was never part of Western civilization until, I mean, in my, in my, until we turned away from God. Look what happened. Look what happened right after, you know, you have, the Bible says Baal, and then second, it says Ashtoreth. It happened like clockwork. First comes Baal, the turning away from God. Then comes Ashtorah. So what would we expect to happen? We'd expect there to be a, a change, a revolution in the realm of sexuality. So look what happens like clockwork. First comes the turning. Then on the, in the 1960s, the sexual revolution. What is the sexual revolution? You know, they tell this is progressive. It's not progressive, it's regressive. Every change was a change away from biblical values concerning sexuality and marriage and replacing them with pagan values. These are pagan. These are not new. It's paganism. So you have that happening. But also, what else does a prostitute do? A prostitute weakens marriage. So look at what has happened to marriage in the West. Which is, a, which is covenant, which is a covenant between yeah. a man and a woman. So they're not only breaking covenant in the nation with God, but people are breaking covenant with each other. Is that correct? Yes, because this, exactly, Rick, this principality, specifically, she was promiscuous, she was an adulteress, she was a prostitute, she warred against the marriage covenant. So as you take sexuality from marriage and put it and spread it into the culture, you also weaken marriage. And so there's no, there's no accident that at the same moment you have the sexual revolution, you have the weakening and destroying of marriages, destroying of homes. It's all has the fingerprints prints of this goddess. And let me tell you something Rick, about this. And that is that, that, you know, she was worshiped the Greeks worshipped her as the sacred prostitute. Well, the word for prostitute that they called her in Greek, though, is the word porne, from which we get the word porn, pornography. pornography. And it's no accident, because this goddess is actually, in a sense, the inventor of pornography. The very first pornography on planet Earth are the writings concerning this goddess. In fact, pornography means the writings of the goddess, or the writings, the writings of the prostitute, and this was, this was the goddess. And so, so basically, she seduces a culture, addicts a culture, pornifies a culture through pornography and, and seduces it. So, so her job or her mission is to take a Christian culture or civilization and turn it into a pagan one by using the realm of sexuality. And let me give you one other thing about this. There's a word in Greek, we, we, all, well, we use it in English, erotic, erotic culture, eroticism. Yes. Well, it comes from the Greek word eros. Eros was a god, and you know, you know who the mother of who, mother who gave birth to Eros? This goddess. So from this goddess comes pornography, comes erotica, comes the 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 sexualization of our culture. It has not stopped. It began in the 60s, has not stopped unto this day. And the origin of these gods, according to the way we understand it, it all began in ancient Babylon, did it not? Where they first oh, appear? Babylon is ancient Babylon is central. Um, you know, you have you kind of have two centers. You have Egypt on one hand. You have, but these gods, particularly, yes, Mesopotamia, Ur, um, Sumer, and Babylon, Babylon, Akkad, 
that was it. And so when you look at this goddess, by the way, this goddess was very big in Babylon. That's, and most of us, most people, even though they don't know a lot about it, will have heard the word Ishtar. That is the that is that is one of her original names, you know. But the but she also went to Israel, and so God and God speaks about this. This was part of the fall of Israel. It's part of the fall of exactly. the West right now. But yes, absolutely, the Babylon. Some of the in the Return of the Gods, I actually used some of the inscriptions that were found in Mesopotamia, in Babylon, in Sumer to show you how, I mean, it, it's amazing how what is written back then are actually affecting us right now. It's the issue of our time. We trust you enjoyed part one of the Jonathan Kahn interview. Join us next week for part two as Prophecy USA continues to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. This is Rick Pearson reminding you, Jesus is alive, God's in control, and he's coming back much sooner than many people realize. See you next week, shalom.